I wonder whether you've, had, you've ever had an unexpected visitor uh, ring your doorbell uh, on a Saturday morning. Uh, you are just getting up uh, after a long night, perhaps, of TV binge-watching. Uh, you have not brushed your teeth. You are uh, still wearing that Christmas gown that you are given. Uh, it has not been in the washing machine, perhaps, for several weeks, and, uh, and you are up. And the house, when you look around it, uh, the house looks totally chaotic. Uh, so you open the door, and uh, it is your um, lunch partner from work. Uh, somebody you know very well from work and suddenly you realize that you are not as clean as you look when you are at work uh, and your house is not as tidy as it looks uh, on your latest Instagram update uh, so you're now feeling embarrassed at what has happened and you're not even sure whether to let them in into the house now imagine your visitor is Queen Elizabeth II uh, she has heard a lot about you, and she's unexpectedly in the area, uh, and she decides to drop by just to say hello. You're not expecting her at all. Uh, she has come uh, with all her pomp and TV cameras, because she's in the area. And um, I wonder, how are you feeling right now, if that's your visitor? Well, you'll be feeling like a national embarrassment, won't you? Uh, you wish it were a dream, you just wish that the ground would open up and swallow you. Uh, as it were. You are ashamed because you have turned what should be a wonderful experience uh, into a moment of shame. You have ruined it for yourself and uh, ruined it uh, for the country, I guess, uh, given the mess that you're in. Now, we are currently with Jesus on the Mount of Olives, right? In Mark 13, we've been exploring this for the last uh, 10 sermons. He's teaching his followers what will happen after he dies, rises from the grave, and he ascends into heaven. And one of the things he wants us to remember, and he's been impressing on us as we've been going through this book, is that he's going to appear for the second time. Jesus is coming back to live with us again forever. Our God will be pleased to dwell with us again. He's already here, he lives in us with the Holy Spirit, but he's coming to live with us physically, we might say, when he comes in the new heavens and the new earth. The return of Jesus will be much bigger than any visitor you and I have ever had, including the Queen. This will be Jesus, our God, coming with the clouds of heaven uh, to take his people into the new heaven and new earth. And Jesus throughout has been impressing on us to, to be ready. He wants to make sure you are ready for his return. He does not want you to be embarrassed when he returns. He wants it to be a wonderful occasion for each one of us. Now, my task today uh, is very simple. As we come to the end of this section, I just want to help us to be ready to welcome Jesus uh, by answering this question. How should we live as we wait for the return of Jesus? How should we live as we wait for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to help us answer this question, please turn with me to Mark chapter 13, uh, verse 33 to verse 37. As I've said, Jesus here is coming to the end of his teaching on the end times. And let's just read those verses again, which our brother Andrew read for us. Verse 33. Be on guard, keep awake, 
For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper, we might say the security guard, to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I said to you, I said to all, stay awake. Now, when you think about those verses, we can summarize the truth of this passage really just in one point. There's just one point Jesus is making in this passage. And Jesus wants us to learn this. Jesus wants us to continue to wait for him faithfully. He wants us to be ready for him. And being ready means us waiting for him faithfully. That's the main thing I just want to encourage you very briefly. This sermon is probably going to be uh, one of the shorter ones that you have heard me preach. But it is that. I won't promise that it will be, but <laughs> that's the idea. It's just one point. Now, I wonder, what do you normally do when you're waiting for someone? What do you normally do? Uh, I am guessing, if you're like me, you get your phone out, right? And you check what's on WhatsApp, right? Or perhaps whatever is on social media. Or you go to, yeah, so you go to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook to see what's trending. Or you go to the BBC website or something like that. Or if you are into George Osborne, why well, you pick up the Evening Standard? If you, you like George Osborne, you pick up the Evening Standard. If you're on your way to work and you're working for somebody, you, you go your metro and you, you do that. We do all sorts of things to do what we call to kill time, right? We're trying to kill time. We're trying to make time go quickly while we're waiting for someone because it can be quite frustrating waiting for somebody to turn up. Now, that may be okay when we're doing school runs, right? <laughs> when you're doing school runs and you're waiting at the gate, you want to kill the time, so you take your mobile out. But it is not the sort of behavior Jesus expects us to have as we wait for his return. The last thing Jesus expects us to do is to kill time before he returns. Because he says that, he doesn't expect us to do that. Look what he expects us to do in verse 33. Again, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper, the security guard or the watchman, to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. Verse 36, lest it come suddenly and find you asleep. Jesus is saying to us there that we need to wait for his return actively by being busy with the work that he has left us to do. Not by killing time or being lazy. And when you look at this, the way Jesus makes this point, he makes this point by comparing himself to a, to a master or a business owner who has decided to go somewhere else for a trip. We see that in verse 34. Before this business owner goes on a trip, he leaves his people things to do, right? And then he tells the security guard or the watchman or the doorkeeper here to keep the house safe from thieves while he is gone. And as I've said, the, the business owner in the story here is Jesus in verse 33. He is the man going on a journey. He's the master of the arms. That's Jesus. The security guard, 
the watchmen, as we used, as we used to call them when I was growing up, we had a watchman. <laughs> the watchman is followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus. All true followers of Jesus. They are represented here by the watchmen. The servants here actually, it's not the way people think. The servants here are not followers of Jesus. I know they have to represent followers of Jesus. The servants here represent the business the doorkeeper must protect. It represents the business, the work of the owner. If you like, they represent the work Jesus has left his followers to do while he is away. We are the doorkeeper. Our job is to keep the house safe, right? To ensure that the work of the kingdom continues. In this case, doing the work, keeping the house safe, I'll mention that in a, in a minute what that actually means. The point of the parable is that Jesus is our master who expects us to be like the doorkeeper, to do the work he has left us to do. He does not expect you to sleep on the job. The point here is that the command not to sleep only applies here really to the doorkeeper. That's the, that's the one uh, the master, if you like, has left in charge. Like the security man, we do not know when our master is coming, so we must stay on the job. Otherwise, when he comes, we will be ashamed when Jesus returns. So, this brings us the question, right? The servants and the work they are doing represents the work of the kingdom. So what work does Jesus expect us to do as doorkeepers of the kingdom, so to speak, while he is away as as, as, as security guard of the kingdom? Well, in Mark 13, the work is spreading his good news. The work of the kingdom, the work of the master of the house, the work of the businessman who has gone away, the work he's left us to do is spreading his good news. That is obvious if you've been with us in Mark 13. This Mark 13, verse 9 to 11 explains that. If you just scan over those pages. 13, verse 9 to 11 says this. But be on your guard. Notice. <laughs> Again. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake. To do what? What's the work? To bear witness before them. Verse 10. And the gospel, the good news, must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. We talked about those verses and we said they are a sandwich verse because verse 10 sits in the middle of 9 to 11. And they are like arrows. 9, 9 and 11 are like arrows pointing us to verse 10, telling us even the persecution, what it is about, is about spreading the gospel. And we use that phrase, didn't we? We said that the persecutions is, is like the wind that carries the fire of the gospel. It is on, it, the gospel spreads through persecution. It's not the only way it spreads. But the point is that everything Jesus is doing in our lives, his goal and purpose is for us to spread the gospel. Your number, what are you here for? Why has Jesus left you in this world rather than every time you're born again? Do you wonder why when you're born again, when you first became a Christian, Jesus didn't just translate you to heaven? Do you know why that is? 
It's not because you're not ready for heaven. Actually, you are ready for heaven because once you're declared righteous, you can. You are as righteous now as you ever be when you're in heaven. The reason Jesus leaves you here is because he has work for you to do. What is that work? The work is spreading the gospel. And that's what we see the disciples do in Mark. Uh, they are all about spreading the gospel. So this passage is telling us that Jesus has left his followers to spread his good news. And so the question you have to ask yourself is this. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Well, the way we answer that, how do I know if I'm ready? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, being ready means you being faithful in sharing Jesus with people around you. When Jesus says here, I say, stay awake. He's saying, like the doorkeeper, stay awake in doing my work. What is the work? The work is sharing the good news of Jesus. If you are not sharing Jesus with people God has placed in your life, through whatever limited means you have, then you're not living faithful to Jesus. You are actually, you may be doing a lot of things in your life, but if sharing the good news is not the central impulse in your life, you are not ready for his return. Now, it does not necessarily mean you're not a follower of Jesus. You are converted, probably, but it, doesn't, it does mean that you are not faithful to Jesus. You are living a disobedient life. Now, there are many ways we share the gospel. There are many ways we support the gospel through giving, through other things. But the gospel and sharing it must be at the heart of how we live. Jesus is saying to you today, be ready for my return by being faithful in telling other people in your life that I have come to save them from sin. I have come to save them from the wrath of God to come. This is what it means to wait for Jesus. And this is the number one priority for you and this church, to actively bring people around you to Jesus. Are you ready for the return of Christ? Well, you can only answer that by examining your own life. How actively are you sharing the gospel? Now, some of you here are sharing Jesus with others. You are ready for the return of Jesus. You know Jesus is so amazing and you desperately want people around you to know him. When you see your friends who reject Jesus, your heart is actually grieved for that. It breaks your heart that people you love and care about do not know Jesus. I had a brother just now telling me that we need to pray for a cousin of Sister John who's, who's unwell. Uh, his heart is, his heart, you can tell, is broken. He wants, he wants that person to come to true living faith in Christ. You know Jesus loves them deeply, and, but they are rejecting him. So when you are thinking of them, you are constantly praying for their salvation. When you are talking to your friends and family, Jesus is on your mind. You, the first thing that comes to your mind is that you want them to come to true faith in Jesus. You are asking God for wisdom and opportunity to share Jesus with them. The gospel, the sharing of Jesus is what excites you most in life. And some of you are constantly on your knees praying for boldness and courage to talk to your unbelieving colleagues at work about him. Some of you are sacrificing leisure time to uh, support the work of the church that is geared towards uh, the kingdom. You are either supporting the ladies' work here or, or the children's work or coming with us when we are doing outreach. You're doing, you're com even just committing yourself to the church in a real tangible way, not just on paper, 
is all about strengthening the work of God to do that. Using the gifts that God has given you are about strengthening the church, isn't it? To ensure that the church spreads the gospel. Some of you are doing that. Or in simply opening up your home. It's an inconvenience to open up your home. But you know a neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. Some of you make an effort to do that, to open up your home, to invite others who do not know Jesus into your life. Or making time to meet up with somebody over Starbucks or something like that. The point is you prioritize discipleship. You know Jesus has called you to make disciples of all nations. That is the work of the kingdom. And you're praying for opportunities. You are making time to do that, even as life presses on you. Doing all of these things always costs us in some ways, doesn't it? And often we do not see the result of our labor of love. And that can be very discouraging when we're sharing the gospel with others. I wonder, as sharing Jesus led you to losing relationships with people you love? When you're sharing Jesus, you will do that. If it doesn't, the problem is you're just not sharing Jesus. But it's inevitable we will lose some relationships. Is sharing Jesus making you miss out on the trappings of the world uh, when you are living for Jesus to share him, to make sure that the gospel advances? It will mean that you sacrifice a lot. You will miss out on what the world prizes. Is it costing you financially in some way? As uh, it meant that you live in a certain way that brings difficult challenges. When you make your time to meet for for lunch, it's costing your pocket. You're inviting them out for lunch, you're paying as well for them. But you're doing it, why are you doing that? You're doing it for the gospel. It's going to cost you financially. Is it doing that? Well, if it's doing that, Jesus is encouraging you to keep going. Keep going. That is what it means to wait for Jesus faithfully. That is what it means to stay awake. You are the doorkeeper in the kingdom. You are keeping the business of the kingdom moving, going. That is what it means. Stay awake. Keep pressing on. You are ready for his coming. So don't become unready. Keep sharing Jesus. You know, Jesus three times in this passage says, stay or keep awake. Did you notice that? Verse 34. The key thing is stay. Look at that. Verse 33. Keep awake. Be on guard. Keep awake. Verse 35. Therefore, stay awake. Continue staying awake. A good reminder, isn't it? Particularly with the sermon, right? <laughs> Verse 37. And what I said to you, I said to all, stay awake. He's not saying stay awake for the sermon. That's good. But he's saying <laughs> keep being faithful in sharing my gospel with others. Keep doing it. Don't just do it once. Being ready for Jesus is continuously being faithful in sharing that. Do not let up. You know, many of us start sharing Jesus, right? And then we are, we are excited for a while because others are doing it, then there's no perseverance. Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't allow other priorities to take your focus from making me known to others. Don't be discouraged. Don't be tempted to live for yourself like many around you are doing. Don't make sharing me a hobby. This is your life now. In a world where everything revolves around you, protect yourself, promote yourself, preserve yourself, entertain yourself, comfort yourself, do things that make you better. Jesus says, no, no, no. I have called you to slay yourself for me. Death to self. You must keep waiting for me faithfully by dying to self 
in such a way that it enables me to work powerfully through you to share me to others. So how do we do that? Because right? we might hear that, this encouragement, stay awake and we think, oh, it's about me really doing it in my strength. But no. The way we continue sharing the gospel is by remembering the gospel. Right? The way you continue doing the work of Jesus is to keep your eyes always, constantly on Jesus. Keep reminding yourself of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. You cannot share the good news of Jesus if you yourselves are not captured by Jesus. You are not enthralled by the cross. Waiting for Jesus faithfully is about keeping your eyes off yourself and looking at Jesus. That's how I get myself excited to do evangelism. That's how I'm sure those of you are doing it. That's how you do it. And that's how we are supposed to do it. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. They are carrying that cross for our sins. Keep looking at Jesus as he takes those lashes and staggers on Golgotha Road. Keep looking at his hands and his feet as they are knelt for you on the cross. Keep looking at him as he ascends into heaven. As he's buried and then he ascends into heaven. And don't forget that even now in heaven he wears the scars of your sin which pierced his body. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, one of these days you shall see our Lord Jesus face to face. If it is not on earth before you die, it will be in heaven. Keep the gospel central. Keep preaching it to yourself. Keep reminding yourself that one of these days you will live with him in the new heavens and new earth. The wait for the Jesus you have loved and, and have shared with others, faithfully with others, will come to an end, the wait. Because the Lord has gone to prepare a wonderful place for us. Keep the gospel central. That's the only way for us to keep motivated to share Jesus. Keep doing it. Waiting for Jesus to me sharing the gospel. And praise the Lord that some of you are doing that. So continue doing it. Some of you here want to share Jesus with others. You want to. You do not want to see people come to know Jesus. And yet, if you are honest, you do not share it. You can't remember the last time you actually sat down and just told somebody about Jesus. Or prayed to know someone earnestly and share the gospel with them. Why is that? Why are many people who claim to be followers of Jesus not prioritize the sharing of the gospel? I think there are many reasons, right? One of the reasons is that they have to just feel out of debt, right? Being busy is not the reason. Because where you're busy, you are people you meet. <laughs> That's not the reason, right? The, many, the reason is simply because there are many ways we share the gospel, isn't it? <laughs> so, so if we are very busy, we have loads of opportunity to share Jesus. The people who are home and perhaps can't have many contacts, mobile, some of our elderly folks, that's, that's different. But if we're actually always busy, actually means that we've got loads of opportunities at work and those sorts. So that's not one of the reasons. Scratch that one out. The, the, <laughs> the reason I'm thinking of here is just you feel out of depth, right? Or you fear people, or you want people to think well of you. Most of the time we want people to think well of us. Or maybe we just don't think about it. Let's be honest, we just can't be bothered, right? There is that. 
I'll come to that. But there is that as well for those who profess faith in Jesus. There are so many reasons. I think all of these reasons come down to one reason. I think it comes down to just one. You are not sharing, if, if you profess faith in Jesus, the reason you are not sharing Jesus is because you have forgotten who you are and your purpose in life. It's that simple. People don't share Jesus because they who profess faith in Jesus is because they have forgotten who they are and their purpose in this life. You have forgotten that you are a person bought with the precious blood of God the Son, the Lord Jesus, shed on the cross for your sin and filth. You have forgotten that you are a new creation in Jesus, filled with unlimited power of God the Spirit, and that He lives in you as your strength, your helper, your encourager, your tower of strength. You have forgotten that you are in union with Christ and that his divine power has granted you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have forgotten that. You have forgotten that the reason Jesus has left you in the world is to be his hands, arms, legs and feet in the world that desperate needs him. You have forgotten that. You have forgotten who you are and your purpose in the world. It's a tragic place to be in. And if you're examining your life, you need to examine yourself and say, that is the reason that I don't share Jesus with others. That is the reason I am not ready for the return of Christ. That's the reason I'm sleeping on the job that Jesus has left me to do. And so today, come before Jesus. Ask him to refresh your memory of who you are in him and your purpose here. Because it's only when Jesus does that that you can be confident and ready to meet him when he returns. When he comes, he'll hold you to account for the work he has left each one of us here to do, for your work. So this morning, tell Jesus that you want to be ready to work for him faithfully. Tell Jesus you want to share him to the world, but you feel unable, you feel constrained, you, you've forgotten who you are. Go to Jesus. Ask him to refresh you in that. Ask him for boldness. Ask him for new opportunities to make him known. And you need to do that. Why? Because if after all this we've said and you've heard this morning, if there's still no desire, there's no intention, no prioritization of sharing Jesus, then we have to, all of us, ask ourselves. You have to ask yourself, are you really a person waiting for Jesus to return? Am I really waiting for Jesus to return? Jesus is saying waiting for his return means sharing the good news. It's being the doorkeeper, staying on the job, Keeping the business of the kingdom going. If we have no desire to share with others, we have to ask ourselves, are we really doorkeepers of the kingdom? Are we really security guards of the kingdom? You know, the early church father, John Chrysostom, said, I do not believe in the salvation of anyone who does not work for the salvation of his neighbor. I do not believe in the salvation of anyone who doesn't work for the salvation of his neighbor. That's what the fourth century church father John Chrysostom said. And he is right, isn't it? 
He's saying one of the marks that you belong to Jesus is that you not only speak to God, yeah, you also desire to tell others about how lovely God is, how lovely Jesus is. The person who does not have a desire at all, any impulse, any, any deep desire to prioritize the sharing of the gospel, to share Jesus with others, has not experienced himself or herself what it means to be forgiven of our sins. She does not love Jesus or long for his return. She has no desire to tell others how amazing Jesus is because she does not know him. You cannot tell people about Jesus if you do not know him. You can't. You cannot get ex Look, you can't crank this up. You can't crank excitement for the gospel. You must first have a divine confrontation with the, with the grace that then creates that within you to share the gospel. A person who does not share the gospel has no desire to share Jesus. She does not think hell is a real place of unspeakable torment. So she's not in a hurry to tell others to flee from its terrible wrath. She's not in a hurry to tell others to flee from the city of destruction, to borrow from John Bernan's uh, imagery in the Pilgrim's Progress. Unless you sense the depth, you sense the wrath of God that is on this world, you cannot tell others to flee from it yourself. You cannot speak about the danger of sin because you have not felt its true weight. You had may have been awakened to it, but you have not felt its true weight. So you don't sense the depth and the need to be saved from the wrath of God that is coming upon this world. To be blunt, you are not yet born again. You are not yet born again. If there's no desire to share Jesus, all the signs are worrying that you perhaps do not know the Jesus Jesus yourself. Is that your situation? Well, do you have zero desire to share Jesus? Is there no inclination in you at all to get excited about making Jesus known? Can you look back in your life and say, I just never had any desire to share Jesus? Then I have good news for you this morning if that's your situation. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he wants to save you right now from that terrible situation you're in. You are currently far from God and heading for eternal punishment. Though your life in this world seems successful, the truth is that you are riding a plane without a pilot. And it will only end in everlasting disaster. But Jesus loves you deeply. He does not want you far from him. He wants you to be ready for him when he returns. He wants you in the kingdom of God. If you accept you're a sinner who cannot save herself from sin, if you accept that you're not good enough for heaven, because none of us are good enough for heaven, if you accept that only the death of Jesus can save you, then come to Jesus now. Ask him to save you from sin. He will do it right now. Ask the Lord Jesus to save you from sin, not based on your goodness, but based on the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will do it right now. And the moment you surrender to Jesus, you become a true follower of Jesus. God will forgive you of your sin and give you a brand new heart that loves him. Right now, right here, you'll be ready for the return of Jesus. 
Jesus will clothe you with his perfect righteousness and his perfect faithfulness. God will look upon you as if you have never sinned and will never sin. You will sin, but he will look upon you as if you will never sin. All your sins and failures, past, present, and future, will be wiped clean. You will be declared righteous, justified before God. And then you will now join in with all of us, isn't it? With that new heart that God has given you, you join in with all of us in waiting faithfully for the second coming of Jesus. You have a new desire to share Jesus. Why? Because this is the God who has saved you from sin. You will now have this new impulse, driven by the Spirit of God who lives in you. Because you are now a partaker of the divine nature. You live and move in God now. You now have a new impulse to share Jesus with others. Not because you have to. Not because you had a, a 25 minutes, I hope, sermon this morning. No, 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 no. But because it is who you are now, remember. It is who you are and it is your new mission now in life. You cannot wait for his wonderful return. Well, I pray that all of us here would be ready for the return of Christ. And if you are ready for the return, I say, keep sharing him on. And if you, are, you desire to share Christ, but you've stumbled along the way, then come this morning. Ask the Lord Jesus to help you remember the gospel. Ask him for new opportunities to share him with others. And God has gifted you the church to work alongside you to help you. And even if you can't do it for whatever reason in terms of your immobile, you can pray, isn't it? Many of the churches are sustained by the sense of the prayers, the sense of the prayers of the saints. Praying for the lost, praying for churches to be revitalized, ch praying for, for churches to be planted. Saints that cannot have contact, or elderly cannot have contact with many people, keep our churches going through their prayers. So there's work to be done for the kingdom. You are the doorkeeper of the kingdom if you trust in Jesus. So continue waiting for him faithfully by sharing the good news of Christ. Amen.